0: You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Stick around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge. Thanks for tuning in.
1: So we're going to get going into our Genesis 3 look, and I'm going to ask you guys to do something for me. Don't look at this picture of the tree. During this service, don't look at it. We're going to make it even harder for you. If by chance you find yourself looking at the tree, just keep track. Um, We just want to know at the end of service. So you could just do a tally mark on your notes, your sermon notes, or your connection card, or you could keep track uh, on your Facebook app, I guess. I don't know. Since we got some millennials in here. (laughs) We'll go with that. Uh, Last week, we talked about Genesis 2, and we said that in order to understand Genesis 2, you need to read Genesis 1 first. Like, there's differences between Genesis 2 and Genesis 1. They seem to talk about some similar topics of creation, but they talk about them in different ways, and maybe in the way those differences come to the forefront, maybe those differences highlight something that God wants to communicate. And and so it's the first time that we see God say, it is not good. In Genesis 1, seven times, which is uh, a number that has significance to a Jewish hearer, seven times God says, it is good. But in Genesis 2, he said, it is not good. And then God removes something from Adam and used it to create Eve. It's transla- we translate it as the rib, uh, maybe because he says this is flesh my flesh and bone my bone when he talks about Eve, when Adam sees Eve for the first time. But he removes something. And when Israel is out there at Mount Sinai and they're, they're receiving directions on how to build the tabernacle, we're gonna find that the same word that's used for what God pulled out of Adam is the same word for using for the sides of the tabernacle and the sides of the altar. And later in, in uh, 2 Kings, um, it's the side of the uh, temple itself. There's other words that you could use for side, but this is the word that the author chooses to use. And, and so some, somehow there's, there's something spiritual being pulled out of Adam. And when we're in relationship with each other and we go together to worship the Lord together, that's when we receive back that thing that's been pulled out of us, that thing that we're lacking. And so these are some of the themes that we saw In Genesis 2 last week. We saw that days 3, 5, and 6 of the Genesis 1 account is is what the author focuses on in Genesis 2. So in day 3, God created the plants and the trees. Day 5, the birds in the air. And day 6, man and animals. And these are the things that Genesis 2 talks about. And when God wants to find Adam a helper fit for him, the first thing God does is have Adam name the what? The animals. What a strange thing. (laughs) It's not good for man to be alone. I must find him a helper fit for him. Name the dogs. (laughs) Now the birds. Now the beasts of the field. (laughs) And what we suspect out of that is that God wants to make the line that had been blurred between man and beast in the Egyptian stories. Even looking at the pictures of the Egyptian gods, you see that they're a mixture of man and beast. They have the body of a man, but they have the head of of an animal. And God's going, you are not an animal. You are not like the rest of creation. In Genesis 1, we saw that God wanted to highlight, make special this creation of man. So creation of man is unique. So the two big takeaways from Genesis 2 is you were created for relationships. And it's in those relationships that you find that peace, that part that God has pulled out of you. And so we need each other. I need you. You need me. I bring something to the conversation. You bring something to the conversation. It's also in these relationships where we wrestle together and figure out who God is because from the Jewish mindset, you don't do that by yourself. That's dangerous. Rob could come up with all kinds of crazy ideas, and I do when I'm by myself. It's when I come together with you that life becomes centered and focused. And then the second big takeaway is that, again, you're not an animal. Well, Genesis 3 is going to have some repeated themes, kind of like Genesis 1, so I want to take a look at those. Is this what you, is this what you anticipated the repeated themes to be? 17 times, the word to eat is repeated. 11 times, etz, for tree. Seven times, I would probably mess that word up, so I put it up there for you to look at. Chai, I need, need lots of phlegm for that word, chai, um, means life. It's also translated as living and also beasts. And then three times, irom, naked. And that, that word actually has some, some more significance than what we'll cover today, but we'll talk about that in uh, footnotes. But three times, naked. And then Genesis 3 has some chiasms. Uh, Like Genesis 1 has one big chiasm. We will talk about that in footnotes as well. But I want to ask you a question. When you think about this story, Genesis 3, what in your mind do you picture? What do you guys picture? Let's put up this. This is uh, something that Logan colored last night. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) True story. (laughs) Um, This is from a children's coloring book, I believe, right? Um, Is this the picture? Is this the picture that you get of Genesis 3? pretty accurate here, we got a snake up in the tree, we got Adam and Eve, they're standing behind a bush because they're naked, and uh, in fact, Logan had a hard time finding a picture that we could show in service, (laughs) It's like, oh, we got kids there, no, 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 we have kids there, no, 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 all right, children's coloring book it is, Um, so good job, man, you are so much better coloring in the lines than I am, this is, this is a good job, um, the problem is, this is not what the serpent looks like. It's like the three wise men that show up in Christmas. Like, we're never told there's three wise men. Um, so next slide. <laughs> we just ruined some, some of your childhoods with this picture. Um, it's not my childhood because I don't even know his name. What's his name? Mushu, yeah, but a serpent with legs, a walking, talking serpent. Isn't that weird? Well, we're going to invite you to listen to this story with fresh ears. In fact, I created some space in the bulletin for you to jot down some things. What does this narrative tell you? because this narrative was presented to a people at a time and they needed to hear something about life, about God, about the reality of the world that they lived in. Remember they came out of slavery, 400 years. They had been used to hearing these creation stories that said that man was an afterthought. There's all these gods and they're angry and you had to appease them. And, you had, and depending on what part of their, what region of Egypt you came out of, the story was a little different because your God took on more of an important role. And Genesis 1, God says, I'm the creator. I create everything. I'm not part of creation. I'm separate from creation. Genesis 2, I create you with purpose I created you with purpose for a relationship. You're not an animal. And so what are we going to learn about sin in this story? Because isn't that the thing that we think about the most when it comes to Genesis 3? So we'll talk about that. What do we actually learn about sin in this story? Because it's, it's important. And then what do you learn about God in this story? be a person that's sitting at Mount Sinai hearing this story for the first time when when you hear it this morning and see what you come up with. So we'll get into Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Have you eaten of the tree which I command you not to eat? The man said, The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat, And live forever. Therefore, God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So that's our story. That's our story. What did you guys learn about sin in this story? It has consequences. Sin has consequences. Yep. What else? It's enticing. At first. It's enticing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about this in footnotes, but which tree, is, which tree did God put in the middle of the garden and which tree did Eve considered was in the middle of the garden? Because that's actually what that word means. It's interesting to me that Satan, or Satan, oh, that's, a, that's an assumption we make. Um, it, the serpent, it's interesting to me, the serpent never mentions the tree. It was at the forefront of Eve's mind. Have you noticed that about sin? The things that trip me up are at the forefront of my mind all the time. What else did you guys learn? Blame game, yeah. Who gets blamed? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <Anyone except me? laughs> Adam's the only one that does not get blamed. God gets blamed. <coughs> he was the first one to get blamed. Eve gets blamed. And Serpent gets blamed. So yeah, we try to which blame. It's great for relationships, isn't it? No relational harm here. They didn't have Facebook, so this was probably a long conversation (laughs) between (laughs) Mav and Eve. I'm just thinking. Um, And sin, sin brings death. Now the serpent said, you will surely not die. But what did die? They made, God made clothing out of animal skin. Sounds like something got scapegoated. Right from the start. What do we learn about God in this story? What's, What's God's mood? What's God's, what do you, what do you think his attitude was or, he's he's not happy, yeah. What'd you guys learn about God? He was present. He, yeah, when he says, where are you? That particular where is not at what location are you? It actually means I place something here and I can't find it. Where is it? Like something has gone missing. Well, in a sense, but Ab and Eve are hiding. They're hiding. It's not just innocence, it's that they've chosen to run away from God. Immediate response, right? So, yeah, God pursues in the story. And he wants to know why Adam and Eve's view of themselves has changed. God didn't seem bothered by the fact that they were naked. Adam and Eve were bothered that they were naked. We also find out that God seems to be better dealing with our sin than we are. Did you notice that? I'm glad we're not wearing fig leaves today. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a great solution to that problem. And in my my own life, my own experience, when I try to deal with the mistakes I've made and I don't include God in the process, it looks like fig leaves as a lung covering. God also protects. Did you notice that? There was something about them eating of the tree of life that would have not been good for them at that time. I don't know if I totally know what that means or why. I don't know if I have God's picture on that, but God had a picture on that. He says, this is a problem. We need to protect them from themselves. How many times have we needed that in life? Is God... Angry, wrathful in this story.
0: Just.
1: He's just, but he doesn't seem like the... Like I've heard people talk about how angry and wrathful God is. And they, they want to put, point to Genesis 3, and I'm just... I don't see it. In fact, I was thinking about this... If God is an angry, wrathful God, like that's His baseline, like we've all known people that are just wrathful, like everything that they talk about is wrath, this, wrath, that, wrath, 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 wrath. wrath, You know, Um, if that is God's baseline because of our sin, then CareNet, the ministry of CareNet, makes no sense if we have an angry, wrathful God? Because they don't jump up and down and yell at people, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty confident of that. Jen, would you say you guys deal with sin? as, as a, Like it's a core issue, right? If I see you guys dealing with, with sin, like God dealt with the nakedness of Abba and Eve in fact who's the first murderer in our scriptures first one to take life God chooses to take life of some animals in order to provide for Abba and Eve one last question I want you guys to wrestle with today why did God place the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle, in the midst, or near the middle, somewhere in the garden? Eve was in the middle. Why did He place the tree there and say, "Don't have it"? What about our tree? Did, did, was this hard to have this up front and for me to tell you not to look at it? You may struggle with that? Few of us. Some of us are more compliant than others. <laughs> I was in the way. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so, for some reason, when we're told, don't look at something, don't think about elephants." <laughs> yeah, you know, our mind automatically wants to go there. Uh, some of us have better self-control than others. I, I get that. Um, but again, I don't think you could understand Genesis 3 without understanding Genesis 1 and 2. Like, these stories are connected. And we'll talk more about this, this whole question of, of why the tree, why is it there? But the, what's the most repeated theme, most repeated word in this story? Eat. The story is about consumption. The story is about being driven by your desires. And the story is kind of like Genesis 2, where God's saying, You are not an animal. Because the last I checked, our dogs don't go on fasts for spiritual reasons. You could drop something, you could tell them that's going to harm you, and they're going to grab it regardless. At least for some dogs. <laughs> we are not animals. The walking, talking serpent, that should bother you, by the way, um, says, it looks good. Eat it. God says, don't be controlled by your emotions. Don't be controlled by your desires. Like desires are a good thing. In fact, we're told that God made the trees desirable. He made them. The things that we desired, this is it's not that desire itself is bad. It's when desire controls us that it's bad. My desire for sexual intimacy is not bad. I can live it out in really harmful ways, though. My desire for food is not bad. I could live live that out, though, in in really harmful ways. My desire to celebrate is not bad. Celebrating every day of your life, that's out of balance. Our desire for stuff, for nice things, God made a beautiful creation for us. It's not bad. When I put my desire for things above people, that's destructive. It's our desires and how they play out and how we let them control us. And so our, our control of our call call to action could be, don't be controlled by your desires. That could be our call to action, but Christy and I were chatting with a friend this week, and he shared that he had been sober for over a year. And he shared a quote with me. I had to call him, or I had to actually message him on Facebook, because I didn't have his phone number. Um, but he said this, he has learned that the opposite of addiction The opposite of addiction is connection. You want to combat addiction, the very best thing you could do is build good community around you that has that same desire to live sober. He later told me that focusing on just staying sober tends to cause you to live in fear and stay isolated. And guess what a person wants to do when their life is controlled by fear and isolation? They want to fill it with something. He said, instead, we have to learn how to live a full life. And I feel like what God really wants for us, how the story is to learn how to live. We focus on the things, our brokenness. We focus on the the areas that we've made mistakes. The American Christian conscience focuses on a tree found in Genesis 3. We can't get it out of our minds. We struggle with shame and depression. Just like the rest of the world. And it shouldn't be. In fact, I find it interesting that Jesus never once mentions the Genesis 3 tree. Never once mentions it. I want to show you my ring. We took a picture because I didn't think you'd see it if I just showed you. Um, So, I've been married twice now. My first marriage lasted eight months. Uh, First wife committed adultery, and then she divorced me while I was in Bible school. And I've mentioned this to you before, but if you want to experience shame, go through a divorce while you're in Bible school. Guaranteed. (laughs) Guaranteed. I was so broken. I was so full of shame over my failure as a husband. She had, she had the affair, but we were both married to each other. So we, all, we both had parts and pieces to play in that relationship. And uh, I remember walking in the church, and for a year I, I dealt with shame. And I, I was convinced that God was mad at me, that he was angry, that I was experiencing his wrath. And God had to teach me something new about himself. And it was over that next year that that took place. And then that healing started to take place. And then Christy and I started dating and were engaged. And when we got married, I took my ring from my first marriage and and I had it melted down. And I drew this design, and I had a ringmaker make this ring for me. When I look at this ring, I don't think about my mistakes. It's not a reminder of how I screwed up. It's a reminder of how much God loves me and how he is willing to reform me, how he's willing to change my life forever through his love. So we're going to pass out the elements of communion, and then there's a couple more things I want to share with you. But just know that we have an open table. If you're here to celebrate Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you could partake with us. We're going to ask you to hold the elements until we take them together as family. Again, Jesus never mentioned the tree found in Genesis 3. He did mention another tree. He mentioned the fact that he would need to hang on a tree, that he would have to, I think, replace a tree. So we would stop staring at the one tree and consider the other tree. In fact, the Apostle John makes reference to the tree that Jesus hung on and calls it the tree of life in the book of Revelation. Now you have to be able to read Greek, which I can't, but I've been told this is true. So Genesis starts with the tree of life. And for some reason, Adam and Eve, they don't seem to have partaken of it. They didn't eat of that tree. Revelation ends with the tree of life. But it's a different kind of tree. It's it's one where only a cursed person would, would hang on. That's what Jesus was willing to do for you and I to become a curse so that we could be a blessing. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Doesn't sound like a vengeful God to me. Sounds like a God that is willing to do whatever it takes for us to experience Him. Even after his resurrection, Jesus never mentioned the tree. He simply asked the disciples to live for his kingdom. And so our call to action is this. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It wasn't just the fact that Jesus was willing to hang on a tree. It's the fact that he rose again. It's his resurrection that gives us hope that we can live a different life. Focusing on our mistakes, our brokenness, on the things that we can't get out of our mind, the things that we wish were not true about us, focusing on those things will never lead to redemption. Living the life that Jesus has called us to will. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you're going to have to notice that He calls you to discipleship, that He calls you to community, that He calls you to live for a kingdom that's going to revolutionize this world, that will meet people in their brokenness, that will sit down with people that the religious say are too broken or too far gone. the call always has been to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, and be on mission with Jesus. That's what is redemptive. The night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. Remember to me, let's do this together. Lord, I love you. I am so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful for the life that you call us to. Lord, I am too aware of my own failures and my own faults and the things that, that grab my attention, the things that seem to be in the center of, of my life that are contrary to who you are. I'm too aware of how desires get out of whack, even in my own life, Lord. If I want to live for the kingdom, kingdom of sacrifice that you call us to a kingdom full of relationship of people come together to figure out what it means to honor the father thank you for giving us the ability to deal with our sin it's way better than what I had in mind we love you Lord we're going to sing one more song just to celebrate you as God. Thank you, Father, for who you are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a new church in Missoula, Montana. If you're in the Missoula area, we would love to have you join us for worship on a Sunday. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church forward slash give. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a blessed week. We'll catch you on the flip side.